You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Previously on The Storyteller, Naked Villainy, the moment Kit Harrison was arrested 42 years after his ex-wife was brutally murdered. Knocking on the door, banging on the window, and eventually we had to call for support to force entry to the address. Did Brenda's neighbour see her killer hours before the murder? I could see a shadow of someone at the edge of the window and a six-foot police detective proved it was possible to climb through a replica window. The exact window that we believe Mr Harrison gained entry to at Allen Street. It's taken 45 years to bring a killer to court, and for the first time in UK history, you'll hear the full murder trial and witness justice being done. It was a brutal murder of a brilliant woman who was a rising star in genetic research. It would now be almost like a script from Morse, the investigators swarming over the, the dreaming spires of university land. There was kind of palpable feeling of evil in the air. I was told it was just a massive blood in here. Two decades on from confronting evil. So did you kill your ex-wife Brenda Page? Evil is being confronted by the law. Did you kill him? No. She knew it was coming. He said he was going to kill her. If he killed her, he would do it so that nobody would know. Will his true nature be unmasked? Are you familiar with the tale of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? And can Brenda's own words help secure her killer's fate? A letter of a death foretold. This is the storyteller Naked Villainy, written, produced and edited by me, Isla Traquair. It's day six of the trial, and after the initial explanation of the role of a forensic officer reinvestigating an historic case, Dr Andrew Gibb was about to embark on a marathon session in the witness box. The focus was sperm, something Dr Brenda Page and Dr Kit Harrison knew about. A warning, the science is intense, but this is what the jury had to hear, absorb and understand to make their judgments. The first 15 minutes of this episode goes into detail about how the forensic team carry out their tests and interpret them. What is a full DNA profile, partial or mixed profile, and what they can determine from them. If this is too much science, then you can skip beyond onto the forensic evidence found in this case. However, listening to it all will give you the greatest understanding of the evidence. You have a heading there, differential extraction, is that yes. correct? And is that something you deployed in this case? Yes. In samples where semen is mixed with another body fluid, we use a process which attempts to separate the spermatozoa in the semen 
from any other cellular DNA material present in the sample. These sperm and cellular fractions are then analyzed separately to obtain a DNA profile from each. On occasions, the separation of cell types can be incomplete, which may result in DNA from the non-semen body fluid being observed in the sperm fraction and vice versa. Now that's very careful language. Could you elaborate on that for the members Certainly. of the jury, please? So sperm cells are quite different to other cells of the body. They are, the head of it is smaller and it's denser, and we can manipulate this difference um, in the test tube by employing a centrifuge which spins round the, the tube and because of the different density, the sperm form a pellet at the end of the test tube and then we can take off the fluid from the rest of the test tube which incorporates the non-sperm DNA and put that into another test tube. So then we have a sperm test tube and a non-sperm test tube. What's the advantage of this process? So if you just analyse the sample altogether, you would get DNA mixtures, and sometimes they would be uninterpretable. It just um, vastly simplifies the process to separate out the sperm. So then we can actually um, uh, see who the sperm could be from rather than see who the DNA altogether could be from. Thank you. The next heading in your... Uh report on page 17 is DNA analysis SGM plus. Is that right? Could you yes. read this uh, part slowly and again I will ask you to elaborate. Yeah. Human cellular material can be investigated by extracting and analysing the DNA contained in it. DNA is the genetic material found in cells throughout our bodies. A person's DNA is the same no matter from which tissue or body fluid it originates, blood, semen, hair roots, skin, and so on. Several different areas of DNA are analysed, each of which can vary considerably between unrelated people. A person will have two DNA types at each area, one inherited from each parent. By analysing these DNA areas in combination, a high degree of discrimination is possible. Ten areas are analysed in SGM plus DNA analysis, and these are known as short tandem repeats, or STRs, as well as a DNA area which indicates the sex of the source. That could be paused there. Could you elaborate on that for the members of the jury, please? Yes, so this is what we would refer to as a DNA profile. We look at these ten areas of DNA in SGM plus, and they vary naturally in the population. They don't code for anything. There's no pressure for them to stay the same. So they vary naturally in the population. Each area we look at, there will be two DNA types. One of those DNA types will be from your mother. One will be from your father. So these pieces of information, all 20 from the 10 areas, will be someone's DNA profile. And then in addition, there's a marker for biological gender. Could you read the next paragraph? DNA can be extracted. DNA can be extracted from very small samples, and the 11 areas of DNA to be analysed can be copied or amplified. DNA amplification is a widely used and accepted technique which involves us confirming that the DNA is human 
and targeting the 11 specific areas of DNA mentioned above. This process is also referred to as the polymerase chain reaction, or PCR. During this process, many copies of the DNA areas of interest are made, resulting in sufficient DNA to analyse. He said occasionally the amplification process could be unsuccessful due to not enough DNA, or if it had degraded, or due to an inhibitory substance. And in this case, they would either end up with a partial DNA profile or no profile. A partial profile is when, instead of the full 20 areas of DNA, they might only be able to identify 10. But as long as they could interpret them, then they can still investigate who the partial DNA profile could be from. You'll hear him explain later, it's like reading a paragraph and some of the words missing, but you can still work out the majority of what's being said. The more areas of DNA or words missing, the harder it is to read. After DNA amplification, the samples are run in an instrument to separate the different areas and with further computer-aided analysis, a profile consisting of up to 22 DNA types can be seen. DNA profiles obtained from biological samples associated with an alleged crime can then be compared with the DNA profiles obtained from reference samples, for example, blood samples or mouse swabs taken from individuals associated with the case. So it's one thing to try and obtain DNA and then a DNA profile from items um, alleged to have been associated with a crime, but we need to know who that DNA profile could be from. So we also need reference samples. So we can definitely say this is this person's DNA profile, this is this person's DNA profile. So when we get the result, we can see if there's a match to one of the people thought to be associated with the case. Thank you. And the next paragraph, please. If a person's DNA profile differs from that of the crime sample, then he or she can be excluded as a contributor to that sample. If, however, the same DNA profile is obtained from the crime scene and reference sample, then this is described as a match. To evaluate the DNA profile in result, we use a likelihood ratio. He explained that they have a database which allows them to work out the estimated frequency. Essentially, a sample is X times more likely to be a match for the person of interest than someone else. For a single source profile, it has been calculated that even the most common combination of DNA types possible in a complete profile would provide a likelihood ratio of greater than 1 billion, i.e. 1,000 million. Okay, now, that's quite a lot to take in. Could you ex explain that for us, please? Yes, so we have the DNA types from um, an item in the case. Uh, we can see that they match to one of the individuals um, as thought to be associated with the case. So one explanation is that person is the source of that DNA. Okay, so the probability of getting that result if that person was the source of the DNA is one. It's, it's a certainty you get the same DNA if they were the source of that DNA. But we habitually give a DNA statistic which is based on the chance of, okay, maybe this is a coincident match. Maybe it's just somebody else with the same profile or the same DNA types in a partial profile. So then 
we give an estimate of what is the chance of just choosing somebody at random and that person having the same DNA profile or DNA types to make the match. Uh, and we know the frequency of these DNA types in the population because um, effectively a survey has been made of individuals in, in different ethnic groups. Um, so we know the frequency of these DNA types. So we can then make a combined calculation of what is the chance of choosing somebody at random and that person having the same DNA types. Is a person's DNA profile unique to that person? Uh, unless it was, uh, unless you had an identical twin, um, they should be different. You can calculate the chance of getting a coincident match, um, but they're used because they have a high power of discrimination. I've skipped the next section as it relates to familial comparisons, which is not relevant in this case. Now, could you go on to the next heading, which is the heading Mixed DNA Profiles? and Take us through that, please. When a sample is tested and more than two DNA types are detected at a single region, then in general, DNA from more than one person must be present. This is termed a mixed DNA profile. How and if these profiles are interpreted is dependent on the type of the mixed DNA profile obtained. If one of the persons can be seen to have contributed more DNA than other contributors, then they can be referred to as a major contributor while the others can be referred to as minor contributors. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. A quick interruption from the courtroom. Do you know what that sign means? It's the sound of another sale on Shopify. Have you ever dreamt of becoming your own boss and starting your own business, whether it's a side hustle or a full-time venture? Well, Shopify is the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run and grow your business and you're in control. A few of my friends use it for their online businesses and they swear by it. I was talking to one today who has a mineral makeup company and she said Shopify has made it so simple for her to customise her online shop connect with new customers to drive growth and maintain relationships to keep them coming back. It's a single dashboard. You can manage orders, shipping and payments from everywhere. Once you start selling, Shopify makes getting paid simple by instantly accepting all payment types. So whether you're selling serums or succulents, paintings or pottery, Shopify removes the stress of selling online and in person. Every minute, new sellers around the world are revolutionising their businesses and making their first sales with Shopify. And it covers all your sales channels from a shopfront-ready POS system to its all-in-one e-commerce platform. You can even sell across social media marketplaces like Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. And here's the best bit. You don't need to learn how to code or design. It's done for you. And there's also award-winning help on hand with an extensive business course library. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify will be there to empower you with the confidence and control to take your business to the next level. So if this sounds good to you, you can sign up for a £1 per month trial period at shopify.co.uk slash storyteller. That's all lowercase. 
That's shopify.co.uk slash storyteller and take your business to the next level today. One more time, that's shopify.co.uk slash storyteller. He's asked to expand and explains that with one DNA profile, there are two DNA types from the mother and father. So if they see four types, then they know that it's from two different people. They may have more of one DNA than the other, which makes it easier to establish who is the major contributor and who is the minor. So, for example, if there's a lot of blood from one person and a smaller amount from another, it's easier to read who is who. And if they have a reference full profile from a suspect and victim, then that makes it easier for them to compare it to. This is just saying we can do the statistics for mixed DNA profiles, but it does get more complicated if the DNA is at similar levels because, for example, I gave you the example of four uh, DNA types from a two-person mixture. If they're at the same level, there's actually six possible combinations of those DNA types to make up those four DNA types we see. So six different combinations of DNA types from different people. So when we're considering other people who could have contributed to the mixture, we're not just considering the frequency of the two DNA types from a single source, we're considering the frequency of the DNA types from every combination of DNA types that could make up that mixture. So it can be done, it's just more complicated to do so. Okay, carry on, on occasion. On occasion, it may be appropriate to assume the presence of a contributor in a mixed DNA profile as an aid to interpretation. This is known as conditioning. Appropriate occasions include when the sample being analysed is an intimate swab from an individual or from clothing regularly worn by that individual. So going back to the example of the two-person mixture and there's the four DNA types, if that was on an intimate swab and we could assume the DNA types of one of the people, then that only leaves one choice for the other person because we've assumed two come from the donor, so then there's another person there and they have these two DNA types. We, there's no need to consider all the possible combinations, it's just the other two DNA types are from the other person. He explained that some mixed DNA profiles, if there are multiple people, not enough of it, or if it's degraded, it can be too risky to interpret, and in these cases they regard it as uninterpretable. I know this is complex, so please bear with me, but there are examples of this coming up in relation to the DNA found at the murder scene, and this will help you understand the results. You set out there some information uh, provided uh, in which you were advised that on the afternoon of Friday 14th July 1978, Brenda Page was found dead within her home, having suffered fatal head injuries. Is that correct? Yes. Now, would you go on to the next paragraph, forensic examination? Forensic examination of the productions in this case had previously been carried out by Forensic Services Aberdeen Laboratory, including SGM plus DNA analysis in 2002 to 2005. This report is in regards to this SGM plus DNA analysis and in regards to additional SGM plus DNA analysis carried out in 2013-2014. Dr Gibb is saying that there were two periods of testing. The more recent one was due to an advancement in scientific testing of DNA. 
He goes on to explain that they did not get to retrieve Brenda's DNA from the time. So they used samples from her heavily blood-soaked nightdress, and it's referred to as the assumed DNA profile. This essentially gave them her full profile, as it was unlikely the blood was from anyone else. Regarding Christopher Harrison, we were provided with a reference DNA sample in 2020, and this was analysed using more modern Globofiler DNA analysis. He explained that Globofiler is the newer and more advanced analysis and can show many more markers. However, all 10 areas in SGM Plus are also shown within Globofiler. So essentially, the older scientific DNA markers can be seen in the newer method. You will hear SGM Plus, which is short for Second Generation Multiplex Plus, being mentioned a lot, as he has to refer to it as that to be precise. The report also stated that they've used these methods. However, if there are further advances in science, they could retest. And he explained that that has happened in the past. He also stated that his team did not do the testing in the early 2000s, but they did carry out the more recent testing and both results are incorporated in the report. They then move on to the actual evidence from the murder scene. And the first item is Brenda's duvet. We'll return to the evidence in just a moment, but first, I'm a fan of this and I'm pretty sure you will be too. I like to stay healthy, but I don't always have time, so I make sure my body is getting lots of goodness first thing every morning with AG1. It's a simple and genuinely nice tasting supplement that I mix with water and drink before my breakfast for maximum absorption. It's just one scoop once a day, one glass of water, all in a minute. I'm all about simplicity and that's why I feel confident in the scientists who designed AG1 with its comprehensive blend of over 70 high quality ingredients. It has all the essential vitamins, minerals, whole food source nutrients and more in a single scoop that takes seconds to mix each morning. Here's the important bit. It helps to support your brain, heart, energy and immune health. It's also good for stress and mood balance and don't we all need that? and healthy aging by supporting cellular metabolism and the health of your skin. What I really like about it is it's an effortless daily habit and I'm giving my body the best chance, especially over the winter months. And I want to share the goodness with you listeners. So if you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. They're handy little sachets, which I chuck in my suitcase whenever I'm on the move, so no excuses. Go to drinkag1.com slash thestoryteller. That's drinkag1.com slash thestoryteller. Try it out. I have, and I don't regret it. Now let's return to the courtroom. We understand that the 2002-2005 examinations established that a stain, one, contained traces of sperm, together with traces of cellular material. As a result, the stain was subjected to a differential extraction process, such that any sperm present was separated from any other cellular material. This resulted in a sperm fraction and a cellular fraction. This is what he described earlier about spinning the sample to separate the pellet of sperm and the cellular fraction. The sperm fraction was analysed by SGM Plus and the partial SGM Plus DNA profile obtained 
match the corresponding DNA types of the SGM plus profile of Christopher Harrison. We have estimated that this result is approximately 590 million times more likely if the traces of sperm were from Christopher Harrison rather than from another male unrelated to him. Perhaps stating the obvious, but this statistic is hard to argue with. The likelihood is this was Kit's sperm. The cellular fraction was analysed by SGM+, and a trace of DNA was obtained, which, in our opinion, was not suitable for interpretation. Now, it might be self-evident what you've said, but just explain that finding for us, please. So we did the differential extraction. We were told that there were uh, traces of sperm um, present, so that's why we did the differential extraction. And then we profiled the sperm fraction and got a partial SGM plus DNA profile, which matched Christopher Harrison. And in the cellular fraction, we got only traces of DNA, um, which were not suitable for interpretation. Thank you. Could you carry on, please? We understand that during the 2013-2014 examinations, a possible semen stain, Area 5, was detected on the duvet although microscopic examination found no sperm. This sample was processed such that any sperm present were separated from any other cellular material. The sperm and cellular fractions of Area 5 were analysed by SGM+, and from each, a trace of DNA was obtained, which, in our opinion, was not suitable for interpretation. OK, what might be obvious, but what does that mean? So we profiled um, both the sperm fraction and the cellular fraction, and we got only traces of DNA, which are not suitable for interpretation, just because there's not enough there. Do you now have uh, an item, a fitted sheet? Yes. And just for our record, it is label number eight, but I don't require it to be produced. But, however, could we have production 75, a book of photographs, photograph number one, please, on the screen? photograph showing the bedsheet with the huge blood stain was shown, but this time it wasn't from the crime scene. It had been hung up to show the extent of the blood. Speculative DNA samples were taken from this sheet from the uppermost and undermost surfaces at the upper right corner and from the undermost surface around the blood pattern. All three of these samples were analysed by SGM+, and from each sample, the partial SGM plus DNA profile obtained matched the corresponding DNA types in the assumed SGM plus DNA profile of Brenda Page herself. All three samples also contained a trace of additional DNA, each of which, in our opinion, was not suitable for interpretation due to the low amount of DNA present. We understand that during the 2002-2005 examinations, a stain, one, of possible vaginal material was identified on this fitted sheet and that in the 2013-2014 examinations, <laughs> microscopic examination of this stain detected large amounts of cellular material together with traces of sperm. A sample of this stain, one, was subjected to a differential extraction process such that any sperm present was separated from any other cellular material. This resulted in a sperm fraction and a cellular fraction. 
The sperm fraction was analyzed by SGM Plus and no SGM Plus DNA profile was obtained. The cellular fraction was analyzed by SGM Plus and the partial SGM Plus DNA profile obtained matched the corresponding DNA types in the assumed SGM Plus DNA profile of Brenda Page herself. So among the vaginal material, there was sperm detected, but not enough DNA. The next analysis, also from the fitted sheet, was from four separate areas of stain one. They were taken between 2013 and 2014. Sperm and cellular fractions were separated. And once again, there was not enough DNA to obtain a profile. But the cellular profile was a partial match for Brenda. We understand that also during the 2013-2014 examinations, three possible semen stains were detected on this fitted sheet and that microscopic examination of two of these, stains two and three, detected sperm, whereas no sperm were detected on the third, area four. All three samples were subjected to the differential extraction process. The sperm fraction of stain two was analyzed by SGM plus and the partial SGM plus DNA profile obtained matched the corresponding DNA types of the SGM plus DNA profile of Christopher Harrison. We have estimated that this result is approximately 28,000 times more likely if the sperm were from Christopher Harrison rather than from another male unrelated to him. Please explain that for us. Yes, so we got a partial DNA profile from the sperm fraction from this stain, and the DNA types that were recovered all matched uh, Christopher Harrison. Um, we made a calculation which relates to the chance of uh, choosing somebody at random, that person having the same DNA types, and that figure was uh, 1 in 28,000. Okay. Next, page 8, please. The cellular fraction of stain 2 was analysed by SGM+, and a mixed SGM plus DNA profile was obtained, which, in our opinion, contained approximately equal amounts of DNA from two people. In our opinion, this mixed SGM plus DNA profile can be explained by the presence of DNA from the assumed SGM plus DNA profile of Brenda Page herself and DNA from the SGM plus DNA profile of Christopher Harrison. Given the result from the sperm fraction of stain 2, we have not statistically assessed this result. However, this can be undertaken if requested in advance of the trial. Explain that for us, please. So I talked about mixed DNA profiles uh, before, um, and this is what we found here. A DNA profile that from the numbers of types, uh, we concluded was a mixture of two people. And if those two people were Brenda Page and Christopher Harrison, they could produce this mixture. So this was significant. Kit Harrison forensically linked to the bedsheet and a mix of his and Brenda's DNA. The next two stains didn't have enough DNA for interpretation. There were a further 29 areas sampled and extracts 6 and 18 had sperm. All sperm was separated from cellular fractions. Area 6 did not have enough DNA However, there was a partial cellular match for Brenda. The sperm fraction of area 18 was analysed by SGM+, and the partial SGM plus DNA profile obtained 
match the corresponding DNA types in the SGM plus DNA profile of Christopher Harrison. We have estimated that this result is approximately 2,200 times more likely if the sperm were for Christopher Harrison rather than from another male unrelated to him. Okay. Uh, could you, again, there's a lot of technical information there. Could you explain that for us, please? Yes, so area six, um, we only got a trace of DNA from the seminal section. Um, and the cellular fraction of area six um, gave DNA matching Brenda Page herself. In that, there was an additional DNA uh, trace, but it was so low we couldn't interpret. From area 18, there was a partial uh, DNA profile in the sperm fraction, and that matched the DNA types corresponding in Christopher Harrison's profile. Thank you. The cellular fraction of area 18 was analyzed by SGM+, and a mixed SGM plus DNA profile was obtained, which in our opinion contained DNA from a major contributor and a minor contributor. In our opinion, this mixed SGM plus DNA profile can be explained by the presence of DNA from the assumed SGM plus DNA profile of Brenda Page herself as the major contributor, and DNA from the SGM plus DNA profile of Christopher Harrison as the minor contributor. Given the result from the sperm fraction of stain 18, we have not statistically assessed this result. However, this can be undertaken if requested in advance of the trial. Please explain that paragraph for us, please. Yes, so in the sperm fraction, there was a single source uh, a partial SGM plus profile, uh, which matched uh, Christopher Harrison. In the cellular fraction, uh, there was a mixed profile um, from the numbers of types we could conclude it was two-person, in our opinion, and that Christopher Harrison and Brenda Page um, together could produce that mixture. So once again, the sperm fraction relates to Kit Harrison and a mixed cellular fraction of Brenda and Kit. He went through other areas which match Brenda, but in the sperm fractions, there was not enough DNA. They could tell it was male, but couldn't interpret it beyond that. In another batch, the sperm and cellular had no DNA. Two areas had cellular DNA, but not enough. And we have uh, what we would term labels 9, 10 and 11, pillow 1, pillow 2 and pillow 3. So these are three pillows which were looked at, which had come from 13 Allen Street in Aberdeen. Could you take us through that, please? Yes. We understand that during the 2013-2014 examinations, Speculative DNA samples were taken from these pillows, trying to avoid blood-stained areas. I'm going to skip to his summary to keep things simpler. We found a mixed DNA profile from the samples from pillow one. Uh, from the number of types, uh, we could tell there were at least three people. I mentioned before there was uh, mixtures with major profiles, so in, in this instance, there was a major component to this mixture, and the DNA types of that mixture, uh, major component, matched Brenda Page. Um, but the rest of the DNA, it was there in a smaller amount, but not enough of amount to be interpreted. So it's limited in that we know there's um, DNA from at least two more people there. Okay, and the next paragraph, please. 
With Pillow 2, the vast majority matched Brenda Page and a trace of one additional DNA was found, which was too small to interpret. Pillow 3 was the same, mainly Brenda, but a trace of another person. Next, they looked at the results from the window, a window stay and two screws. Ten swabs were taken from damage on the window, but no DNA was obtained. In 2013-2015, the underside edge, inner aspects, outer aspects and the window stay were swabbed and only the underside showed trace DNA but not enough to test. A hair was also found on the inside of the window but no DNA found. They then looked at the tests on the blood on Brenda's nightdress which was the one they used as the reference profile. In 2013-2015, 24 other samples of blood were tested on the nightdress and they all came back matching Brenda. Now, we have a heading here, items relating to Christopher Harrison, is that correct? Yes. Uh, Could you take us through this, please? Yes, so this is bag-marked R nail scrapings and bag-marked L nail scrapings. Would would that be right and left? Yes. Thank you. We note that during the 1978 examinations... Traces of blood were detected on the left nail scrapings and that during the 2002 to 2005 examinations, traces of blood were also detected on the right nail scrapings. The court heard that the scrapings were sent to a special lab with extra amplification services and the samples showed Kit Harrison's DNA. Now, could you turn to page 16, please? Do you set out there a summary of SGM plus analysis? Yes. Could you read that uh, first paragraph, please? In our opinion, using SGM plus DNA analysis, we detected DNA types matching the SGM plus DNA profile of Christopher Harrison on items relating to 13 Allen Street, Aberdeen, as traces of sperm in stain one on the duvet, sperm in stain two on the fitted sheet, and a cellular DNA in the same stain sperm in stain 18 on the fitted sheet and a cellular DNA in the same stain. Pause there. So what you've done is really summarised the work which you've done and you've told us about already and the conclusion was that you detected DNA types matching the SGM plus DNA profile of Christopher Harrison on items relating to 13 Allen Street, Aberdeen, as traces of sperm and stain one on the duvet, sperm and stain two on the fitted sheet, and a cellular DNA in the same stain, sperm and stain 18 on the fitted sheet, and a cellular DNA in the same stain. Is that correct? Yes. Thank you. Could you read the next paragraph, please? In our opinion, by SGM plus DNA analysis, The remaining interpretable DNA results that were obtained from other samples on the duvet and fitted sheet, as well as from the pillows from 13 Allen Street, Aberdeen, and from Brenda Page's nightdress, all match the assumed SGM plus DNA profile of Brenda Page herself. Thank you. Now, so what you're saying there, uh, you've told us about the analysis where there was a match in the terms that you describe with Christopher Harrison on the duvet and the fitted sheet, the remaining interpretable DNA results from 
other samples on the duvet and the fitted sheet and the pillows uh, and the nightdress all matched Brenda Page. Yes, correct. Could you drop down to the penultimate paragraph, in our opinion, uh, by SGM plus and DNA analysis Chris, samples from Christopher Harrison? In our opinion, by SGM plus DNA analysis, samples from Christopher Harrison's nail scrapings gave DNA which matched Christopher Harrison himself. Thank you. Now, we've taken quite a journey through DNA and DNA detection and analysis. Is it always the case that a contact by someone with a surface will leave DNA? No, that's been shown in experimentation that you can have a contact and not um, obtain a interpretable DNA result. Thank you. Could you read the final paragraph on page 16 slowly, please? In summary, by SGM plus DNA analysis, no DNA attributable to anyone other than Christopher Harrison or Brenda Page was detected in any of the samples tested and detailed in this report. That might be obvious from the clear language, but just tell us what you mean by that. So of all the interpretable results we got from all of the analysis we undertook, all the interpretable results either contain DNA matching Brenda Page or Christopher Harrison. All the other results were either gave no result, no DNA profile, or traces or mixtures which could not be interpreted. So all detectable DNA was attributable to <coughs> Christopher Harrison or Brenda Page? All interpretable. All interpretable, yeah. Right, thank you. This concluded the examination in chief, and I hope the final summary helped. The cross-examination began with an exchange that was far easier to understand. There's an important difference, perhaps, in those two words, the one the Leonard Advocate Deputy used and the one that you used, because there was other detectable DNA but we don't know from whom it came. Yes. So the correct word is interpretable. Yes. Because some of the DNA you were able to interpret and you could interpret it as either coming potentially from Dr. Christopher Harrison or Dr. Brenda Page. Yes. As a forensic scientist, is your work helped and or hindered by the precautions taken in obtaining samples and recovering evidence? You mean if a protective um, clothing is worn and gloves, that kind of thing? I, I, that's part of what I mean, yes. Yes, it, it's aided if that's um, done, yes. And can it be hindered if it is not done? Yes. Back in 1978, now you're a relatively young man, so I suspect you were not a forensic scientist in 1978, if indeed you were even born. Just about. Just about. Um, you, presumably you would understand from studies you've done since then 
that things have changed very much for the better in respect of the recovery of evidence in serious and important cases. Yes. Sometimes, I don't know you personally, but would it sometimes be the case that forensic scientists employed by the Scottish Police Authority would actually attend scenes of crime? Yes. In order to oversee the recovery of items? Uh, we can do, yes. Uh, and sometimes even take active part in the recovery of items themselves? Yes. In the event that you had attended this scene, and I appreciate you didn't, but in the event that you had attended this scene now, today, what would you anticipate would be the precautions taken by people at the scene to preserve the scene and to preserve the evidence? So once it, uh, a location was identified as a potential crime scene, uh, there would be protection um, on the door to limit people coming in and out, uh, and we would wear gloves, uh, boots, and a full suit, and then uh, a mask as well, and hairnet. So, the, the ladies and gentlemen will have seen modern-day depictions, sometimes real life, I suppose, but uh, modern-day instances of police officers and others attending crime scenes. Uh, and we're talking about situations where people are in forensic suits, so zip-up suits that cover all of their outer clothing. Yes. You would also wear something to cover your head. Yes. Something to cover your mouth. Yes. Something to cover your hands. And something to cover your feet. Yes. Your shoes. Yes. Uh, and the sole purpose of all of that is to prevent you or anybody else who's involved contaminating the scene? Yes. Um, sometimes there's already been people in without protective um, clothing just because of the situation. For example, police officers might have to remove somebody or there might be first responders, paramedics going into a scene and these people would not be wearing. But So the objective is from the point we know we need to recover evidence to stop there and, and wear protective items. And nowadays, quite often, what you would have is you would have a series of police officers who would be there to protect the locus, who would stand outside, and who would record everybody coming in, everybody going out, who they were, what they were doing. Yes. And it would be ensured that everyone was wearing protective clothing. If they needed to go in, yes. So I didn't catch that. If they needed to go into the location, yes. Yeah. Because for aught we know, people might uh, shed hairs, shed saliva when speaking, touch something that they shouldn't touch, move something from where it was to where it wasn't. Uh, and all of these things can pose a problem so far as somebody trying to interpret the scene subsequently. Yes. 
The idea of someone removing items or moving items from the scene without wearing gloves, does that pose a problem? Well, if the item was removed, um, do you mean for examinations thereafter? Yes. It, it, they could uh, in, introduce their own DNA onto the item if they didn't wear gloves, yes, or fingerprints. And if they were to move one item without wearing gloves, bag it, seal that bag in some way, go on and move another item, is there a potential problem there? They could potentially, if, if pick up DNA from the first item and leave it on the second item, yes. So if, for example, somebody were to, in this instance, to have picked up the duvet, let's say, put it in a bag and then moved on and picked up the sheet... Is it possible they could have transferred some of the material from the duvet to the sheet? For general DNA, that would uh, be the case, that they could have. Um, it would be harder to accidentally transfer sperm um, from that because it would be dried onto the sheet itself. Yep. Anything that was wet? Could yes, they have, if it was wet, yes. Could they have transferred it from one to the other? Yes. As well as potentially transferring their own DNA? Yes. And with sperm, which is dried into the sheet, is it possible for that to flake off? Yes, it can do. And be moved in that way? That would be a mechanism, yes. Mr McConaughey is focusing on the transference of sperm for a reason, so bear this in mind. He moves on to the importance of changing gloves, and it's accepted that if moving into different rooms and touching multiple items, they would change gloves. He's asked about the quantity of DNA that would be required to be traced, and Dr Gibb said it depended on what it was. Touch DNA could be extremely small, around 16 cells. If it was blood, even diluted blood, after an attempt to clean, it could still be seen. Scientific methods and lighting can help with this. Mr McConaughey asked if DNA could be transferred both ways, skin, saliva, blood, semen or any other bodily fluid from victim to the assailant. The answer was yes. He then suggested that they might try and find the DNA by following the route the assailant would leave a scene, or perhaps the method of transport they used. So if, for example, it was believed that the assailant had left the scene in his or her motor vehicle. One of the things the police and you as a forensic scientist would be interested in would be whether or not there had been any transfer from the victim to the assailant to that motor vehicle. Yes. And in this case, I take it you've seen the photographs of the, the scene? Uh, I've seen them, but um, I'm really just uh, interpreting the DNA. So it would be my colleague, Christopher Canacliffe. I appreciate that. But from the photographs that you have seen, there would be a significant quantity of blood. Yes. 
and every likelihood that anyone involved in that assault producing that quantity of blood would have blood on their person? Well, it would depend on the exact dynamics of the assault. Uh, if it was with just hands, you know, punching, that kind of thing, that would have a higher chance. If a weapon was involved, obviously then you could be further away, so there'd be less chance of transfer. Well, we've heard something, I think, about the sort of blood pattern suggestive of the fact that blood was not just accumulated in one area, as it were, but in other areas of the, the room, which would presumably at least provide the opportunity for the person to have blood on them. Yes, but in terms of the specifics of this case, I would refer you to my colleague, Christopher Gancliffe, but okay. in principle, the logic's sound. All right, well, 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 we'll come to him. I'm going to pause here before they delve into the science of the sperm related to Kit Harrison as his defence Casey attempts to find explanations for how it could have got onto the sheets at the murder scene beyond Dr Harrison being the killer. They didn't need to prove this, of course. The goal would be to create a reasonable doubt. In the next episode of The Storyteller, Naked Villainy, terminology comes under scrutiny. There may be no sperm in the sperm fraction. Yes, absolutely, it's a title. Can sperm survive on materials after being washed? I would normally expect semen deposited in this way to persist on the item of clothing until it has been thoroughly washed. And the Crown ensures the findings are ringing in the jury's ears. Do you still stand by those conclusions? Yes. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review as it makes a huge difference to guiding people to hearing this important story. This is an entirely independent production and your support is greatly appreciated. And if you want to hear exclusive interviews, longer episodes and insights, please head to the Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. This is a piece of history and you are for the first time in this format witnessing justice being done.